0: Hi everyone, Shannon Tipton here, and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool LD peeps hang out. While you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Now today, the cool kids are tackling creating games for learning. Gamification, what is it and how can I use it in my business? This is a question on many minds in L&D today, yet we discard the thought thinking that gamification is too hard or too expensive, when in fact neither is true. Using game-based mechanics is not about how much money you have, but how can you put your imagination to work? So the question on the table today is, what are some important game mechanic elements that we should be paying attention to And what pitfalls should we watch out for and avoid? So without further ado, let's get to it. Well, hello everyone to uh, another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. Super excited about today's topic where we're going to talk about learning challenges or uh, gamification or learning games or whatever name that you're attaching to your learning events that have some sort of game mechanics involved in it and it's very interesting some of the research that I've been doing about this it's really fun to see how people are incorporating the different areas of games into their overall learning designs and it's not like this is a new thing I mean we've all been doing some sort of this way back in the day we you probably did a you know, a family feud type of thing or a Jeopardy kind of thing, that sort of event or mechanic around it. And then as time has progressed, then there became a differentiation between all of the names. You know, we were talking about gamification versus game-based learning, you know, and what are the differences between that and really knowing the difference between gamification and game-based learning and what we're going to talk about today we can get into game-based learning and if you all have designed games in of themselves for maybe your sales team or onboarding that's great but when you think about gamification we are talking about those game mechanics so what are the challenges what's the action what are the rewards you know so when you think about just playing a game and you think about all of those elements of playing a game how are we doing this There was an interesting report that I put in. I just kind of threw it in with the uh, one hour to go email. So I threw in a data report that I had discovered just because I thought you all might find it interesting if you had time to look at it before you came on. But also in the email that went out yesterday, there was also another report on how different organizations are using gamification, but also the trends. So, I found that to be really interesting. So, what I want to know from you is what are you doing? You know, so gamification, the question on the table today gamification, what are the pitfalls? What are the benefits? What are some of the barriers that you're experiencing? What are some of your success stories? So let's start there. Who wants to kick off the conversation and sharing your experiences with gamification? Or if you have developed a full game for game-based learning, I'd like to hear that too. Who would like to start this off for me? I
1: just wanted to share, we recently had a global provider. We were buying an entire platform with all contents. And for FES, we were having access to games in these contents. I'm talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion platform in which you have a lot of webinars, you have videos, you have courses, you have podcasts, articles, and they do have games. I just first tried myself to see, okay, what is this about? It was about hiring inclusively, and it was about monsters, different type of monster you need to hire. It was quite cool. Well, I thought firstly, okay, this is going to be helpful because while we are introducing new concepts to the people by using games, we may catch attention people's attention just because it is something different, right? And because some people might not be interested on on this topic probably, but some others will just join because it is a game, right? So to me, it is a, a good catchy thing to come across on a different format with a different way of learning and if people like it and the more we can collect the feedback we will see where else can we apply this type of format right i really agree with that i to me it's if i can
0: bring people in to the into their own learning path or into a learning path that's been you know smartly designed and if i can put in a game component that will drive usage That's a win. You're not going to change the culture. You may not even drive behavior change immediately, but at least it's a step, right, to bringing people in. So I kind of look at it that way. That's at least one good benefit that we may have. What else do you think here? Now, Don, you said in person trainings, we frequently incorporate relays. I'm trying to not imagine people running around. (laughs) you're, you're running races in the hallways over there. What is it that you're doing?
2: Yeah. So we find that is really successful for brainstorming. So we incorporate the physical activity into the brainstorming activity where we divide the group into teams and, you know, post a flip chart or a whiteboard at the other end of the room. And They take terms within their teams or have a designated runner where they go to the other end of the room and add their idea to the board and then run back. When you're meeting in person, it's a nice way to add physical activity into the training, but also it brings kind of that fun factor. Sometimes we'll add music. They brainstorm as many ideas as they can before the music stops. Oh, so like a musical chairs for brainstorming. Yeah. (laughs) That could be fun. Sure.
0: Yeah, because then you've got that part where in the newsletter that I sent out, it was elements of gamification, such as competition, right? We all, we compete with ourselves, but we also like to compete with others even more. And so if you've got that competition happening, like you have, then that's fun and it's energizing and a lot of people respond to that. So what else are you guys doing? Or what have you thought about doing? Do you have something in mind?
3: So, I have an activity or a series of activities planned, really. We're rewriting our flagship training course on project management, and we're an engineering firm. And so, project management for engineering is quite different from like the PMP kind of project management. And so, they don't get taught this in school. So, in, we teach them in this class and used to be a two day in person class. Then, COVID hit, and we had to change it to four four hour virtual sessions. And that was terrible. And so what we're doing now is we're going to have five, two hour virtual sessions, and then two half days in the home office. And we are planning to get rid of as much lecture as we can and have them pre-work. And we want to incentivize them to complete that pre-work. So we're going to break them into teams of four or five and have them, you know, do things like name their team and the team that wins at the end of the training in person would be getting a gift card, but also a recommendation or a write-up from our corporate sponsor on LinkedIn and on our internal social media. So we're trying to hit all the motivators there. Mostly it's just points and leaderboard kind of stuff. And I keep thinking of other game mechanics I could add, but if anybody has any great ideas, this is a time because I feel like there's not enough game mechanics added to it.
0: Okay. And so what would you like to see? What do you feel is when you think about adding more game mechanics to it, what do you feel is missing from the overall experience? I guess I'm just worried so
3: far, this is our first foray to truly do gamification at our company. And We have this internal social media site called Jive and it has gamification built into it and nobody cares a lick about it. I mean, nobody cares. (laughs) And so it's not a good sign for gamification when nobody cares, right? But it's also being done differently. It's not truly gamification of training. So I just want them to care, you know, and I'm hoping that making it fun, or at least there's some competition there's team building. There's points, there's leaderboard. But if I could think of more mechanics to throw in there, I
0: would definitely do it. I think it's a great question to start off with. Jive is one thing and, and what you're doing is something else. You know, project management is something else. It could be that they just don't care about the platform. They don't care about using that platform or communicating in that way. But project management is something that they probably care about because that's what they do. And they need to incorporate that into their daily work lives And they need to be better at it. So that in of itself is an intrinsic motivator because I need to care about this in order to do more. Okay, so now what? And one of
3: the things you're doing, it used to be your manager would tell you, oh, you're going to project management training. But we only actually have 20 openings this year. And so we're asking the office directors to go to these people, tell them all the work that's involved in the training and ask if they want to be nominated. So we're hoping to motivate them in that way, in that really understanding that it's a privilege to get to go to it, or at least build that confidence into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great question. I'm curious, though, Zolt, because Zolta has created a number of games. And so I'm really curious as to what your take on all of this is.
4: So actually, we just had, uh, we had an internal conference at Amazon basically sharing what we do internally. And I was on a panel with games and gamification couple of things Renee I would definitely suggest one is like how do we make them care is normally people start with the mechanics oh this is a great mechanics because I always played uno or always played that game and I like that game and I said bring it into learning a lot of play tests needed to get them actually react and see what your audience is doing and so one thing that definitely suggests' a guy called Andre Martsevsky he has two things that's great to start. One is their player types. It's basically an evolving sort of research on how do people react to certain mechanics and how do people react to certain motivation and elements. And so your goal is not to create just one and basically like, oh, I'm just going to be a great competitor. And you throw in timer and competitive things in it and you lose half of your audience. So From my experience, when I created a a gamification in um, the last 10 years, there is always two sides. One, we loved it, and others who hated it. And so it's because it was kind of narrowly designed and we lost half of the audience. They were not interested, and this is why, do they care or not? So one is figuring out all those eight sort of different type of motivational elements and combine them to create something, little thing for everyone and then play test it to see what the reaction is within your project, within your environment, and then adjust it. That was one that I would definitely just. So one thing about Bart is that, so he started with the four. This is basically the killer and socializer and that sort of thing. That is what usually people start with. So you have one who's like focused on like killing everyone and is like a competitor sort of thing. There's one the social type of person who doesn't care about winning, but it's a great fun together, an explorer of one who just breaks up everything. Um, those four was created for back in the days when we have these mods and crazy players decades and decades and decades ago. Even Bullet himself said, like, don't use this outside, don't take it and generalize it. So from there, you'll see a lot of other people. Amy Jo Kim is one who looked at more like a social side of things of how people connect together with this element. And Andrzej Martsepski is did, I think he did the best like research sort of driven approach of finding out all these elements and how people react to that. So the other thing that I would definitely suggest from Andre is he created a, because we all love the, Periodic elements, you know, like a nice colorful thing of sorted things. So he created one for game mechanics and then it's color coded based on how different types of players react to them. So, what you can do is if you create something on your own, you can look where these land and then how you can incorporate some sort of a balance. And don't just pick elements from one color because then you would just again like lose probably a majority of the audience because you're applied to those who are only competitive or only let's say achievement driven and they need a certificate but others might care less about certificates or points some people just want to go in and break your game always have those people who just want to break it and show that your design is wrong And so there's a lot of things around how to use those people up front. Those are the best testers because if you involve them early on and say, hey, we're building this thing and we need people who break it, they love it, especially if they don't have to go through that later so they don't have to go through training.
0: Great. Thank you so much for that. And so do you have a book out? What's the title of that book? I'm sorry, I've got it on my bookshelf and it's not in the same room as me. What was the name of the book?
4: It's not an l book, so please don't buy it and then expect some sort of a, here's the five steps of how to build a training sort of thing. It's nothing to do with that. There is no like here's how to read this book sort of thing like, if, you know, real people put in. It's actually was instigated by Shannon back then because I did a 30 day challenge every single day, a post sort of thing. And you had to pick something that you learned from your past and post it no matter what for 30 days. And at the end of this 30 day, I jokingly on Twitter said, like, well, basically it's half of a book now. And then Shannon said, like, yeah, let's make a book out of it. And I said, if you're going to buy it, it's like, yes, I'll buy it if I build it. It's like, okay, I'm going to do it. So it is a combination of almost like sitting down with me and just like chit-chat about things rather than having like a whole book on one topic. But if you want to start with something more, I think, practical than, than my book, uh, in 2020, I worked with ATD. They have a series every month. They put out something TD at work. Last year, 2020, January is the edition. It's called From Content to Actions. And this is really just 15-page book for l and professionals who are trying to incorporate learning or combine learning and gamification. And so it is starting from not with game mechanics and all that, at the point that you need to think differently around learning and that's when the actions start the end of your goals and then how to incorporate and move away from topics because the worst thing that people can do and i've seen is start gamifying the topics itself so i have a boring e-learning nobody takes it let's gamify it so now i'm going to give out points for people who complete this training that's not how gamification was created for so Oh, there's somebody put in already. Yes, it's from content to actions from TV. Well,
0: One, you make a really good point about ensuring that what you're doing really does meet a need. You know, not just throwing game mechanics into something just to throw game mechanics into. Because all that's going to do is make your boring e-learning more Focused on boring. It's like you've just, you've thrown some bells and whistles around a boring topic. Now it's a boring topic with bells and whistles. So that hasn't changed any. So it's about making sure that first off, you know, the content in of itself meets the goals of the people in the business. Obviously, I know with this group, I don't need to really drill down on that. But then it's about, I think there's a two pronged approach here. And I might be wrong is when you're thinking about the overall actionable outcomes of whatever it is, be it a project management or, you know, how to make a pizza, there's some sort of actionable outcome. And so then the secondary part of that is if we're going to put gamification as a layer on top of that, what is the goal for the gamification? What's the goal to have these action items there? How are you tying that into the overall actionable outcome of the learning itself?
4: So, you, you would start with, and this has nothing to do with gamification, you would start with your business goal, whatever those things are that you're going to be measured at the end, what things to change. So, it could be behaviors, attitudes, beliefs, whatever the actions are and behaviors on the job itself. And then the gamification, you can think about it as a motivator. You want motivate people to do something, not to learn, but to do something. So the closer you can get to the actual things the better and sometimes you don't need a course if there's a checklist that you want them to use you don't need to build a course of how to use a checklist people probably could use a checklist it's that they don't care about the checklist so now i think about it like how do you put something in place that make them at least interested about the checklist and that's what mystery can come in some sort of social pressure how you can make people do something in a learning again is it has related to do what they do on the job so they can feel that what i'm doing is not only fun but actually making my skill grow in some ways and so for example i've worked with a client where they wanted for salespeople to join and i'm sure you've dealt with it at some point that there's a microsite or some sort of a social internal social media and people are not really coming back and they wanted to promote that so they decided that they gamify this experience so people come in they're competitive, we give them points, and what they did was they give points for every comment because, in, in real life, you want people to come in, chime in, and have like a you know, live variety of people. But what they did and they didn't know is that gamification actually works, but we have to be very careful of what we're gamifying because what they did is not the value of those comments but the volume of the comments, and so the server crashed because people just type in random letters all day so they can get on the top of the leaderboard instead of things that people react to and find it valuable so if you ever find yourself in a place where you want to motivate something be careful of what the end result will be and think about it what the real thing that you're motivating is so likes and comments technically it's not what you want what you want is the the value coming from there So how do you get the value? The easiest way to do that is actually giving value to the feedback or reply, so that basically the peers' reaction to that rather than the the volume. So this is how, for example, Stack Overflow works. If you ever code or anything, this is like the the heaven of, of internet when you find all the answers. But what they do is they reward those people who give answers. And others say, that's a great answer, I accept the answer. So it's not the volume, but actually the value that's rewarded and promoted.
0: Right, and it goes back to that, just not throwing something in there for the sake of throwing something in there. And if I go back to you know Renee's question, I think that there's opportunity there. It would be interesting to take your project management class, it sounds like you've sort of done this, where you have broken out the components of it, you know, where you deconstruct the class in of itself. So you take the class and here's all the bits of the class. Here are the modules, here are the lessons, right? And so you deconstruct this. And so now what can we do to make the game or the class flow and incorporate the elements of giving people control if that's a possibility or what's that sense of achievement or where's that competition against myself or others Right. And so where can we add some of these little nuances within that? You know, maybe the project management itself turns into like a live game board, you know, where people are going from place to place to place. And then there's an activity that allows them to take away some information that can then be applied to the next step. And if they apply that to the next step, I see... Um, your message here to me, KJ, about the escape rooms. I saw escape rooms in the chat earlier. So maybe it's sort of a, it's not really an escape room, but it's more of a, a journey, your project management journey game. You know, and as you get more clues, you get to progress through the class more and more and more. So it could be something along those lines, you know, so you take some of the things that Zolt is talking about here and you're getting quality input so it's not just hit the button and move forward you're there actually providing something that is of quality answers that are of quality but also fun and the caring part becomes i want to either get through the game so i can be on top of the leaderboard or i want to collect whatever it is that you're asking them to collect throughout the class perhaps you know so people want to be immersed in the experience okay
3: so how would you do that? So would you like come up with a question that they have to be able to answer live in the class or how would you do that?
2: Well, what
0: do you think, Don? what would you do?
2: Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Some of events that we've coordinated in the past, when we've incorporated that journey style, we've used like a passport.
5: Oh, fun.
2: And so you have a passport, there's different pages in it. And where, you know, they get a token or a stamp or something so whether it's virtual or in-person, but something that shows they've completed this part of the journey. And the goal is to, you know, complete your passport. And then at the end, there's some kind of reward, you know, whether that's your certificate or now you're you're eligible to participate in a particular project or an additional promotion. Yeah, a lot of different ways that we can use that. But
0: to build on that, Don, I see here in the chat from KJ, and I really like this, is that so if they fill up their passports, they become, you know, the champion. They're the champion, or maybe they become a coach or a mentor or some sort of recognition. And I know digital badges, there's a lot of toing and froing in the industry about digital badges. But I think that live badges might be something, you know, if you think about collecting, you know, like Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, right? They have all those like little badges. So what would happen if you actually created a literal badge, you know, maybe it was a sticker or something like that that people can take away. And then that badge indicates that they're an expert in something. And so it might not be digital where you see it once and then you forget about it, but then it's actually now it's, For lack of better terms, a a trophy. It's something that they can take away and is ever present. They can put it in their office, maybe put it in a little frame, and it's something that sits in their office. That could be a possibility too.
6: Shannon, I'm going to kind of go on that because project management, there's definitely some key skill areas, like there's the scheduling and estimating and manage overall managing the project and communications and racy charts. And like, and so it seems like that you can break down, just take the PMBOK book and which is like the guide to project management and it's definitely in chapters and you could give a badge for your agile and for your overall like communications and you could have a badge for each one of those areas in project
0: management. I love that. I love that idea. And then also then what Don here is that you can put it on your um, email signature. Oh,
3: that's
0: a good idea. It could be a digital badge they put onto their email signature. I really like that. And so now we, we get to that sense of achievement that a lot of people, everybody wants to feel as though they're successful at something. Not everyone wants to be brought up to the front of the classroom and patted on the back for it, though. You know, everyone's got a different way of how they process success. And I think something, you know, along those lines really reaches the people who don't want to be in the front of the room with all of the accolades, but they also want to feel some sort of success for themselves. So that might be something else, right? And for those who are working in person, oh, it's added to their name badge. So way back in the day when I was a server, you know, trying to get through school and everything on my name tag, if you did certain things, they had certain clip-ons that you could put onto your name tag. Now that I think about it. And remember Fridays, Fridays used to do stuff like that, right? TGI Fridays, they used to have stickers or pins or something that they would add to you, you know? So yeah, I think that's a great idea and it could go into their zoom backgrounds. Yeah. I love all this. So this was the virtual escape room. So I guess Cassie Labore, our virtual space expert out there in, in the world, she's doing a virtual escape room. Is that what it is? KJ is it like, is she hosting it or is she showing how to do it?
2: It's a webinar. So I
0: think it's just an intro. Intro to it? That would be fun because I think that there are game mechanics in escape rooms that can be applied to some of our own virtual learning, of course, but also to our face to face if we get back into that. I think that there are, you know, some components that are interchangeable there. So that might be fun, you know, to attend. Linda. So Linda, it'd be ideal if these badges were transferable. I agree. So, Linda, you want to. Talk to me a little bit more about what you're thinking
7: here. I've been looking for um, a job after graduating college, and I find that a, a lot of these professional certifications that are available within this field uh, just aren't in my budget. But then a lot of the ones that are free or or less expensive through LinkedIn, I really don't know if, I mean, yes, I'll learn the skills, but uh, it's not great examples of online learning usually, and I don't know if an employer is really going to care or consider that um, legitimate experience. So to be able to earn in-workplace experience in a way that is documented and can be taken with you would really be ideal, especially since in our field and so many others, you might have, you know, you're an instructional designer, but you might work as a project manager here, an instructional designer there, a learning specialist there, a lot of fields are like that these days and a lot of fields like ours have a lot of um, it's expected that you're going to move positions, jobs, companies every couple of years. I think, uh, like Don said, that this would have to go through professional associations, but it would be nice if that were more of a thing so that we weren't reinventing the wheel or just blindly copying other people's um, gamification, as was discussed earlier. Yeah,
0: and actually there is. So Mozilla does badging. It's an application where you can create badges and those badges then can be part of your organization and they can carry with you. So if you want to be a badge collector within your organization, that also could be gamified in of itself. So it's kind of like, you know, like Starbucks or something. After you get a certain amount of stars, you level up, right? And then you level up and then you level up. That's gamification at its best, right? Getting you to buy stuff so that way you level up on where you're at. And you could do that within the workplace. I can see that happening where if you collect X amount of badges, then you achieve a certain level and then you achieve another level. And then you can collect badges throughout the organization. And this would be great now that I say this out loud. Wouldn't this be a great opportunity for cross-skilling? So... It could allow people the opportunity to move from, let's say, marketing to sales without changing positions. You know, they can learn more about different areas within the business. Or if you're in, you know, you're in learning and development, maybe you want to learn more about comp and benefits. So maybe you get your comp and benefits badge, right? And so then you have this place where we are gamifying, if you will you know, the whole area of cross-skilling within your organization. So that might be something to think about as a more holistic, you know, way to bring in a little bit of fun and competition into your organization. Who's cross-skilled in more areas, right? Then that inherently makes you more valuable to your organization too. Who doesn't want that? What other ideas can you guys think of? Yeah, you got to make sure there's value behind the badges, right? Getting badges for anything, yes. You want to, again, it's about layering in those actionable outcomes. You want to be able to say, I have this badge and this is exactly what I did for it. This is the project that I worked on. Or, you know, it's not just a matter of I took a five-question multiple-choice quiz and now I have a badge. It shouldn't work like that. Let's see. Heather, I saw you post something earlier. Where did it go? Where did it go?
8: I also talked about the escape rooms and that we're interested in diving into that aspect, but haven't really gotten that far yet. Just know that it's interesting. And it's actually funny you mentioned, Cassie, because I've signed up for that webinar already. So hopefully that's a good one to get us started.
0: So what are you curious about, Heather? Where do you think that it would be of benefit?
8: I'm not 100% sure yet. We Maybe in our new employee orientation, getting them excited, kind of setting the tone for coming back to other courses and wanting to do so. Hopefully, that gets them more interested in doing that.
0: I think that's a great application. Onboarding, I think it's a great kickoff for gamification. It's natural for it, I believe. What does your onboarding process look like now, Heather?
8: It's a five-day course, and we're with a financial institution. So, of course, we have to go over a lot of our products and services and things of that nature, but a lot of culture Getting to know our industry, if they haven't been part of it before, learning about all of our departments and their duties. So some of it can be a little bit blah. (laughs) So trying to make it fun because they do need to know the things, even if it's not as fun to learn about it. So
0: I agree. I think that it just sets the tone. If you're a culture that appreciates fun and play and curiosity and creativity, then bringing people on board in that way would certainly align with your corporate values, which is another thing that you would want your games to do. You want them to align with whatever your strategy is, with whatever your mission and vision is, you know, so those would be great messages to be able to carry forward in onboarding programs. And Christine, talk to me about what you're doing for gamifying your mechanical area.
5: I have kind of a broad role uh, where I work. And one of the roles is teaching manufacturing operators to do tricky things with their fingers. For example, laying a bead of glue on a plastic part and, and gluing things together. Doing it in in the real life world can be kind of stressful. So we're thinking, okay, how can we pull them out of the manufacturing area and let them have some fun around practicing until they get the beading right, so that we can then teach them to do the whole process all together. So, you know, the idea of Finding colorful shapes and letting them practice in a stress-free environment is kind of fun. Since I've been talking to you guys today, and thanks for this, I thought, well, what if the shapes made a puzzle? And once you've created one, you put it in a place and then another, and so it becomes more of a competition with yourself to win by putting together this puzzle kind of thing. So I got that idea, and I was wondering if anybody else had done anything like that. Anyone else working on ideas like that?
0: Maybe you're working on puzzles or tangrams, Maybe. You know, which putting shapes together to form other shapes. Because I love that idea. You know, Domino's has done this. Walmart has done this. Uh, various other companies have done this where, you know, you're asking people to put pieces together or put a product together. And they've gamified that. And I really like the idea of putting it into the learner's hands and letting them build something. You know, I, and I think that there's a sense of satisfaction in doing that, too. I believe that you're headed in the right direction. Anyone else doing anything that is constructive, you know, where they're constructing something.
6: So, we had an idea that we didn't actually get to do because of the pandemic, but we had an idea to demonstrate that if you really work together as a team and the team continued to work together each time that you learn how to do things together, and that people on the team could help each other, what we wanted to do was have the team construct children's bicycles. And if any of you are parents and know that you've got the bicycle in the box the night before, it's supposed to be given at Christmas or from holiday or birthday, and that you're faced with putting this all these parts together against time, right? And you may call in your partner to help because... It's taking too long. So, we had this idea that we could teach kind of how working together in a team that the first time they would time how long it took them to put a bicycle together and what were the communications they were using, and then do it again to put the bicycle together again and then ask what was working. Why was it so much better? Well, we knew how to do it now and we knew who was going to do what. And then we were going to donate the bicycles to charity. And so the bicycles would get built and donated to charity. Unfortunately, shutdown came and we couldn't execute this. But we thought that it might be a good way where you're putting things together and working as a team to demonstrate that communications in a team environment.
5: Kelly, that gives me a great idea in this same audience, when we first bring them into our our manufacturing facility and put them in the new employee orientation class, we're trying to teach them, it can be so boring. What if I were to to design a a learning around how they work together as a team to put something together, and then, like you said, let them do it again and see how they build on their own learning by seeing how we are better together after we've learned things together, that kind of thing. I love it, Kelly. Thank you for that Sure. And then Christina, I also had
6: an, another idea about you know laying the glued beads down and puzzle pieces. This could also be a craft project. They actually could make like an ornament or make something that is pretty if you laid glue down and then had to put little beads on top of it or something is because it's incredibly difficult work. I work for a a medical device manufacturer and they are a challenge now in our new manufacturing plant to teach people that manual skill of putting little tiny things together. And so I hope to get more involved. It's outside the country. But again, that's like if you made something pretty or something that was useful using those manual dexterity skills, it's very transparent. My sister has a small manufacturing, and she found that women who love to sew and embroider were so good at what she was manufacturing, because they had that manual dexterity skill, that
5: eye-hand coordination. Kelly, I I also work for a medical device manufacturer, so I feel my pain. Oh, Okay. And the idea of motivation through the gamification, the idea that when they're done, they have this beautiful little ornament or something useful that they get to keep for themselves and that's their reward for learning. Mm
6: -hmm. And it could maybe even go on their desk or in their workstation, you know.
0: Yep. I like that. And if we were to carry that idea further, if we were to carry it into a broader perspective, maybe they collect pieces, And if I can go back to Renee, so Renee, if we take your project management program, maybe after they finish different sections, they collect a bag of pieces. And the whole point is to collect pieces to be able to build the thing at the end. And then you don't know whether or not you're collecting all of the right pieces. You don't know if you have all of the pieces. You know you have pieces as you're moving through. And then maybe at the end, if they are able to construct whatever it is that they're supposed to construct, you know, then you've won the day. Or if you're missing pieces, you got to go back and figure out where did we miss a piece at? Maybe there might be something there. And I've heard of what Kelly has talked about. I've seen other companies do that. And it's usually part of some sort of team building or leadership development, right? And it's a lot of fun, but it's also very valuable that once again, you're learning multiple traits, cooperation, collaboration, creativity, right? as you are building these things out. And I used to do Lego helicopters again, back in the day, they used to have to build Lego helicopters and they didn't know whether or not they had all of the right pieces. They saw the helicopter once or maybe twice and then they had to build it again by doing certain parts of an exercise. So I think that having the appropriate game mechanic in the right place means something too. You know, and when you think about learning science itself, because this is what the foundation is, and it's about creating that motivation to keep moving forward and to keep progress going. And when we think about how adults learn, you know, adults learn through being able to connect to relevance and to be able to have some choice and to be able to have some control. So all of these things work within game mechanics because you can give them control to say, "I want to move in this direction, right?" So, Renee, I keep using your example. I hope that's okay. So it's um, so I can move in this direction and learn this, or I can move in this direction and learn that. And in bet- all of these connecting parts and pieces, gives people the illusion of control. I'm controlling the way that I'm learning this program, even though we're all together. And I think that that could be fun and really interesting. Linda. So, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to interrupt work at all. There are certain game things that you can do. I did some work for a medical device company a few years back, and we built a chatbot for them that was attached to a leaderboard. And as they went through different tasks and watched different videos and completed different exercises, then they were gaining points to be able to apply to their leaderboard, which gave them certain prizes that they were able to achieve. And through that, they were learning how to demonstrate a certain new medical device. And that's what it was. It was how to demonstrate, how to talk to doctors about a certain device, right? And so that's what we were leading them through. And we did it all through a chat bot, which was really kind of fun and interesting. There are all these different things that we can do. It's just a matter of breaking open the creative cycle to make it happen. Any other examples, what else are you guys doing? Oh yeah, I remember that Zolt, AR escape experience. I remember that. And so what you did, if I recall, you guys can also do this. This takes little money, a program like Zapier. So you can create the augmented reality parts through Zapier and if I recall Zolt, you created a game board. And on the game board, there were certain things to scan And you had to do certain things in order to get to the next part of it. Am I remembering that right?
4: Yeah. So the idea was at the conference that 12 people, 12 strangers sitting at a table and doing some sort of an escape room activity, but they don't have to get outside of the room. And so there were pieces, props on the table. There was a map, there were pictures, there were all kinds of things. So by itself, they all sat down I didn't know anybody, anybody. It was just like a ballroom. They sat down and started looking at things of what's happening, but it was only half of the story. The other half was on their phones. So when you scan certain things there, then they learn more information about them, which they had to share with others because everybody's working at the same time like crazy to get that done in the time frame. And so it was a little bit of a strategy of who's doing what, also communication between them. The little punchline was actually that the only way to solve and open this door and leave the virtual door is actually if they work together across the tables. And they realized that at some point, this a gentleman from, I think, Korea, barely speaking English because he was doing the translation, he realized that they started walking around the tables and grabbed the pieces that they needed to the puzzle to put together. So it was basically an exercise of how isolated sometimes you are in an organization when you. Have zero resources, time running out, and you're just focusing on getting things done instead of actually talking to others and say, Hey, you have a piece that I need to work across. Right,
0: exactly. And it was so much fun. And it goes back to do I have all the pieces? Yes, no, I got to build this thing. And you're learning about a new item as you progress. And again, we scanned it on the phone and that piece of the puzzle or that assignment showed up. And then you had to go out and do I have that? I don't know if I have that. Maybe somebody else has that. And can we bring them over and to help us do this? And I think that would be an excellent project management thing, because project management is all about making sure all of the puzzle pieces fit together.
4: The other thing, Shannon, that I don't know if anybody here is from the 80s or everybody brand new to the world, but there was a, a great game. It was called Manic Mansion here, I think, in the States by Lucas Art. The other name was, I think, Day of the Tentacles or something like that. But the concept was something absolutely interesting, that you are playing with these characters, that they get stuck in three different time zones. One was in the future, one was in the present, and one was in the past. And in order to get things done, and basically like an escape room, they had to communicate because the future person saw the consequences of things that happened in the present. And the present can only change things based on what happened in the past. So it went back and forth and you as a player had to switch back and forth and figuring out if I need trees here because of the lightning, then these trees need to be somehow grown there. And okay, so I need seeds in the past. And so it was a great um, experience to going back and forth, which was fun. But imagine the same with, with we have processes, like everybody has to train processes, for example. So you could actually create some sort of an exercise when a group of people see the consequences in the future, but they didn't know what actual decisions in the present made those. And then the present is making decisions based on what they think the past was a legacy or always doing that way, but they don't know what the consequences will be. And so if you play with this, it's like a missing information sort of thing, but also focuses on what happens to the end-to-end process, for example.
0: That sounds like fun. That's a great concept for a game. And I think that's a great place where we can bring the conversation to a close, if you will, because we are at the top of the hour already. And it never fails that these conversations always fly. So I hope that you found some of the ideas here helpful. I mean, we obviously could have talked way more about all of the different areas, right? Manic Mansion, thank you so for putting that in there. I just want you to take away and think about any more. We've got the tools to make these things happen. There's plenty of science-based research out there to tell us what should underpin what we do and how we can go about it. But it would be helpful, you know, when it comes to building what you're doing and understanding how the brain works and what motivates and what doesn't motivate. So that way you're putting the right pieces together For your organization and for the people within your organization, right? Because you have to really have a good understanding of your organizational culture. You know, you're not going to have them running around and let's say, you know, uh, doing a game that requires them to pop balloons to get a game piece. If you're working at a lawyer's office, that may not work for them. So you need to know what your culture will, what your culture will accept but don't let that stop you. Even if you worked in a lawyer's office and you still wanted to do something with balloons and game pieces, don't let that stop you. Just think about what sort of baby steps is it going to take to get me there? What will they accept now? Now what will they accept? Now what will they accept? And eventually you'll get to that balloon popping piece finding, you know, game with your group of lawyers, if it were. So just think about what you can do and You know, don't let yourself be your own barrier because right now with the way that things are and all the tools that we have in front of us, we're only limited by our own imagination. There are plenty of tools and support out there. And I would encourage you to connect with Zolt on, I would assume, LinkedIn. You can also find him on Twitter, you know, to, you know, dig deeper into his brain. And Kelly and Don, you guys had a lot of good information and input as well. So feel free to, of course, continue the conversation. But Here's my parting question. And what I'd like to know is, what is your favorite Easter tradition? For me, it's peeps. I can't wait for peeps. And I only eat peeps during Easter, not any other time of the year.
3: I like the creativity of like decorating the eggs or decorating Easter baskets.
0: Decorating eggs. And yes. And I was having a conversation with some of my Australian friends. They did not know anything about this. They were like, you do what? (laughs) No so it just is always interesting. I'm with Renee on decorating eggs
6: and I'm so I'm so sad that our children are off at college, all four of them off at college and there are no eggs to decorate and I pitched it to my sister saying we could decorate eggs and she's like very non-committal about the whole Easter thing. I couldn't get her to do anything creative so um
8: I don't know. I'm kind of thinking maybe I'll still do it. <laughs>
3: I think
5: you told You should totally do it.
8: Okay. <laughs> I would say the Easter egg hunt. The Easter egg hunt. Yes. Yes. I have a two-year-old, so it's been really fun. We've been practicing.
5: <laughs> well, I'm a peep person,
4: but I can go all year long with peeps. So I can, you know, every year every... Every holiday I, I'll find peeps, but what we did is when my kids got older, involved in sports, we changed from the Easter egg hunt to a baseball hunt. I would hide baseballs around the house so they would actually have to find a baseball instead of an egg because then they'd get to use the baseballs all all summer long. So <laughs> it was a little more expensive than eggs, but they loved it. It's, it was pretty cool. They still talk about it.
2: So, yeah, definitely getting together with family. We have a lot of people in our family who don't actually celebrate Easter. And so we do our family dinner the day before. Like we very rarely do we have holiday meals on the holiday. So that people in our family who don't actually celebrate that holiday don't feel awkward and those that want to maybe have that holiday be a time of reflection or worship, they're able to do that without the pressure of, you know, the family gets together. That's great. Good. I'm with
0: you. You know, it falls when we decide to eat. That's the day. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And on that note, enjoy your Easter holiday. I appreciate everybody being here. You first timers, I appreciate you showing up. And I hope that you found value in this conversation. So, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where we discussed gamification or building learning games. The big takeaway today, one, gamification is an important part of workplace retention and engagement can even play a part in the hiring and onboarding process. As over 54% of new hires report being highly productive after undergoing a gamified training program. And two, consider game mechanics as a way to engage a remote or hybrid workforce. Quality game challenges can build a strong team foundation when matched with your organizational culture and are reflective with your overall business strategy. Now, as a reminder, all of the resources can be found in the show notes below. And while you're there, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Want to join the live coffee chat conversation? Well, go on over to learningrebels.com and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious and take over the world. Bye for now.